Specialty Story, session number 50. Whether you're a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you will want to practice. This podcast is here to tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information you need to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, as well as the host of many other podcasts. So if you are in med school and you know some pre-meds, go send them to mededmedia.com. Have them listen to the pre-med years, the MCAT podcast, old pre-meds if they're non-traditional. If you are a med student, be prepared for what's coming in the future, especially if you're early on first year. We have a boards podcast coming out for step one and probably step two in the future, and so many more exciting things happening here at MedEd Median Medical School headquarters. So in the opening, I talk about finding and telling the stories of specials from every field, and today's guest is one of those fields, one of those niches that really gets down into a super niche, and it's pretty awesome. I got the opportunity to speak with Dr. Christina Lehman, a MedPeds doc who has taken some further specialty training being a breastfeeding physician. Yeah, breastfeeding doc. It's pretty interesting. And so when she told me that, I was like, oh, I definitely want to talk about that and expose students to something really different that probably many of you haven't heard. And while the breastfeeding side of her practice is probably only about 25%, I thought it was worthwhile to have as a standalone podcast to give you the information if you're interested in this to go seek out some additional resources for it. So Christina has been out of training now for about 10 years. She's in an academic setting. And we start off by talking about when she was initially introduced and became interested in breastfeeding. I would say it definitely got started when I had my first child. I kind of was one of those people that always knew I would breastfeed. My mom breastfed, you know, all those kind of good things. And, um, you know, a good pediatrician always breastfeeds. So um, kind of started out in that path and then actually had my baby and started. And it was like, oh, my gosh, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, so looking back, I, you know, if I would during pediatric visits, if a mom would say, oh, I'm having troubles breastfeeding, I'd be like, oh, let me go get my nurse. And. Um, would have her come in. And so I really realized once I had my own that I had no idea what I was doing. Um, So I just started looking at stuff and reading stuff and getting on mom blogs and, you know, all sorts of things like that and just became more and more passionate about it. Um, Probably a big turning point for me as far as getting more seriously interested in it was when I discovered the Dr. Milk group, which is a Dr. Mom's um, breastfeeding group. So the milk is mother's interest in lactation knowledge and kind of realized that there were people out there who actually were pediatricians and lactation consultants and were doing this um, kind of for real in their lives. So taking that personal experience of mine, both of, you know, having some struggles, but then also just really loving breastfeeding um, and turning it into kind of more of an academic focus for me. What was your, or what is your your primary focus of, of training before this? Yeah, so I'm internal medicine and pediatrics. Um, so did basically a full internal medicine and peds, um, residency and came out of that wanting to do primary care. And so that's where I started was in an academic setting, um, where I trained at Ohio state, um, stuck around and then joined the faculty practice to do med peds primary care. Why do you think breastfeeding and the, the struggles around it aren't covered as much during normal 
medicine or pediatric rotations or residencies? That's a good question. I think part of it is that we don't necessarily know that we don't know. I think a lot of times um, that experiential learning comes down from our attendings and um, we know that doctors don't necessarily do a great job breastfeeding themselves and that when they don't do a very good job, they don't advise their patients very well. Um, there also is unfortunately a lot of formula marketing, especially in pediatric residency. A lot of the AAP stuff is sponsored by formula. Um, so I think that becomes kind of normalized and we're, so we kind of do that lip service of, oh yeah, breast is best and you should breastfeed. Um, but there's nothing, or there previously hasn't really been much formalized, um, in pediatric residency as far as breastfeeding. Um, we're doing better. AAP now has a curriculum that they recommend, um, but it's definitely not widespread, and if you look back to medical school, I mean, honestly, where we see a lot of issues with breastfeeding is even other specialties. It's, you know, radiology telling them they need to pump and dump or infectious disease saying, oh, that antibiotic's not compatible with breastfeeding. So when a mom has a complication that she has to stop breastfeeding or pump and dump. So really, it's all doctors um, that need it. So it really should go back to medical school. Um, so I don't know if we just have, you know, too many other things to talk about or if it's not as important or there just aren't as many of us that are passionate about it to teach it. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we know that answer. I just, we do know that it's not well covered Yeah. in medical training. Yeah. There, there's a lot to cram into the two years yes. of, of preclinical work. Absolutely. What traits do you think lead to being a good breastfeeding medicine doc? So it's probably a lot of the same things that, you know, primary care. So, you know, wanting that longitudinal continuity of care, being a good listener and, you know, kind of really wanting to delve in and get to know kind of what's going on. Cause I mean, the, the, when you look at the diet, it's really, you know, it's hard. It's because you can sit there and talk about what's really important for the baby, but then that can kind of leave mom to the wayside or you can look at what's important for mom and leave baby. So you really have to kind of integrate that and think about what's happening with both of them and what's going to be the best for both of them. And it's also one of those things that we don't have a really good, you know, we can't do an EKG and, and diagnose heart block or something like that with breastfeeding. We don't have imaging or something that we can say, oh, well, you're only making half the milk supply that you're supposed to. So it can be um, tricky sometimes. And sometimes it just takes a lot of problem solving to say, well, let's try this or let's try that. And then I think you have to be interested in, you know, women and women's health and not be afraid of boobs because that's a big part of that. Um, and people, you know, get scared off by that a lot of times. So, yeah, I guess the. So, so let's talk things. about that. That last comment yeah. for a mom a breastfeeding mom, what is the likelihood of her going to a, a male breastfeeding doc? So that's a good question. I mean, I think that if um, there are some male breastfeeding doctors, there are some IBCLCs, the International Board Certified Lactation Consultants that are men. It's obviously a pretty woman-dominated field. But I think that if a guy was super interested in, you know, helping women and was knowledgeable, then I think it's probably going to be similar to like your OBGYN that, you know, some people are going to be absolutely not. But there's a lot of women that see a male OBGYN. So I think if they're a good doctor and they have a good reputation and they know what they're talking about, then it'll work. As you were going through your training before you, you found this passion for breastfeeding medicine, were there any other kind of subspecialties in the primary care world that you were interested in? 
Not within primary care. I mean, before I went into med peds, I was really interested in OBGYN. Um, I really liked prenatal visits and I really liked all the outpatient stuff that goes with OBGYN. I just hated surgery and being up at night. And so realized pretty quickly that that was not the right specialty for me. So I guess I always had somewhat of an interest in the women's health aspect of things. Within primary care, I was pretty happy just to do just straight up primary care. I love doing the variety of being able to see the kids and the adults, and especially when I get a family. But it was kind of exciting for me when I found the breastfeeding medicine because it gave me the opportunity to have like an academic focus where I can work on it with medical students and residents and work on curriculum development and things like that. Because before that, I really didn't have an academic focus. So that part's been kind of cool. Talk about the types of patients that are coming to see you. What what sort of things are you treating them for, helping them with? On a day-to-day basis, I mostly am just dealing with the regular stuff of breastfeeding. So with my well-child checks and things like that, I just feel like I'm able to give more evidence-based information and more support for, you know, kind of the day-to-day latch and milk supply and things like that. When I have a more specialized referral, it can be anything from a baby that doesn't want to latch, that maybe hasn't latched since birth and is having a hard time, or maybe a baby that was in the NICU and so got a lot of bottles and so is having a hard time getting back to the breast. I have sometimes moms that are having a hard time with milk supply. So sometimes that's perceived that they really have a fine milk supply, but they just don't think they have enough. Um, Or sometimes it's that they truly do have a low milk supply. So helping them kind of troubleshoot, you know, is there something that they can do to make that better? Or is that just kind of, you know, how they are? You know, maybe they have insufficient glandular tissue from puberty they never really developed. And so they're just, you know, they can't make a full milk supply. They're one of those unfortunate women that just will never have one. So that's other stuff. Obviously, we can deal with issues with cracked and bleeding nipples or mastitis. But I think that's kind of the big stuff. Like I said, you know, most of the stuff's that kind of just day-to-day maintenance of breastfeeding. That moms just need a lot of support. They just, and they really don't get it. I'm assuming that there are no urgent things that if you're on call, you need to come into the hospital quickly for a breastfeeding consult. No, definitely not. So I don't do any of the inpatient, like that would all be covered by IBCLCs. Now, I will say that I do wish sometimes that there was somebody on call. So for example, we recently had a mom that um, had, what did she have? She had, I think, a wound infection and was in the hospital and got switched around in antibiotics. um, And the um, antibiotic they landed on was Cipro. And they talked to the the doctors on the service, talked to the pharmacist, and the pharmacist said it was not okay to breastfeed with it. And so told mom that she had to pump and dump. And so for 10 days, she pumped and dumped. And then she came into me a little bit later because the baby wasn't breastfeeding directly um, and, you know, had someone called somebody knowledgeable in breastfeeding medicine, especially the pharmacology with things, then we would have been able to take care of that earlier on and that she didn't need to pump and dump because there's really no indication for that. So sometimes I wish that there were, but I would probably say meds would be the number one thing for that or radiology studies or things like that. You know, mastitis would be a, you know, semi-urgent kind of thing, but not necessarily something you're going to get drug into the hospital to see. Why would the pharmacy textbooks or database show the safety of breastfeeding on Cipro different than what you would say? So the interesting thing is that there's a lot of CYA out there. Um, So there's a lot of stuff that says, you know, benefits outweigh risks or risks, benefits, those kind of things. Very few places actually take into consideration what is mom's plasma level, what level gets into the breast milk, what, so therefore how much is baby ingesting and then how much of that ingested amount would baby 
absorb into their bloodstream. Um, so there is the Infant Risk Center, which is run by a pharmacologist, has gone through all that. And so really what ends up happening is that basically nobody feels comfortable with what's out the information that is out there saying it's okay to breastfeed. So people just usually say, oh, well, it's, you know, we can't say that it's safe to do. So she's just pump and dump. Okay. That's interesting. Always err on yeah. the side of safety, I guess. Yeah, to some extent. But, you know, that takes out of the equation, like the safety for the baby and the mom. I mean, you're more risk of clogged ducts and mastitis if you're mm. pumping. You know, throwing that milk away is just... I don't know, heartbreaking to me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, because she's still producing it. So a lot of women are going to wean and not do that. They're just going to quit breastfeeding. Um, there's risks to formula for the baby if the baby's getting formula instead of breast milk. So it seems like, oh, well, yeah, just better safe than sorry. It's no big deal. But it kind of is a big deal. So with your position, academic med peds focusing uh, somewhat on breastfeeding medicine, do you feel like you have a good work-life balance? Yeah. I mean, I've been pretty fortunate. Um, so my husband's also a physician. He's a hospitalist in internal medicine. So financially, we're in a really good spot from that perspective. But we also are pretty busy because he's super busy. And we now have two kids. So I did start full time. And then as I've had my kids, I had um, worked myself down to about 50%. And now I'm working myself back up with some nursery work. That has allowed me definitely to have some good work-life balance and so I think it's similar to anything else in primary care where it does allow you to have, like you said earlier, you're not on call, you're not going into the hospital necessarily. It's a lot of office-based work. From that perspective, definitely you can have good work-life balance. What does it take to become a IBCLC, as you mentioned earlier? I would say first, there's several different pathways. So IBCLC is the International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, and that is a, an international exam that anybody really can take. There's different pathways depending on what your background is. So like a nurse or a doctor has a different pathway than, say, you know, a lay person off the street that wants to get it. Um, so they require some health science background classes. Um, and then as a doctor, you have to do 90 hours of lactation coursework, and then you have to have a thousand clinical hours. Now, fortunately, those don't have to be necessarily supervised. So if, say, an OBGYN out there wants to become an IBCLC, they can use the time that they talk with counseling prenatally, they can, um, and then also postnatally um, during their hospital rounds, if they take care of mastitis, if they work with any sport, support groups or anything like that, all those hours can kind of add up. And then once you have those hours, you take a, you like a sit down exam at like a prometric center, just like our fun boards. <laughs> um, yeah, it's unfortunately not quite as bad as that, but, um, you take an exam like that and then that gives you that certification and that gives you kind of that, I would say right now, kind of gold standard certification of, you know, you're reputable in the community is having that level of knowledge and experience. There's another program through, um, it's called the Healthy Children Project. That's the Certified Lactation Counselor. So that's another one that some people will do. And that's how I got my very first start. It's like a 40-hour course. Um, and you do take an exam in that and, and you do get a little certification. But some people will start off with that. Um, and then there's the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine that does have a fellowship track that you can kind of go through and get that uh, FABM designation. They are currently as well working on a more clinical-based fellowship, but that's currently not, there isn't anything right now. So a lot of it's kind of you know mentorship and working with other people and then getting some of those other certifications. With the certifications, is there any benefits to getting the certification or can somebody just go out and learn the stuff on their own and, and put it into practice? 
Yeah, I mean, you largely could just, I mean, all of this stuff falls within the scope of a physician's works. I mean, you really could just learn what you wanted off the internet and go out there and, and do it. All the billing that I do is all physician billing. I don't bill as a lactation consultant. I bill as a physician, mostly time-based. So yeah, technically anybody can do it. It's just, you know, having that evidence-based information, making sure you're learning the right stuff. Um, and then I think a lot of it is that kind of reputation in the community as far as the um, extra certifications. For the future primary care doc that's listening to this, whether it's pediatrics, internal medicine, family practice, or even OBGYN, I would consider primary care for women, what do you wish they knew about breastfeeding and breastfeeding medicine to better help their patients? So I think part of it is just make sure that you what you know is evidence-based, you know, search out, even though you, if you didn't get it during residency, search out um, that extra little bit of training so that you can kind of be the best resource for your patients possible. And then, um, you know, I think see if there's somebody in your area that is more specialized. See if somebody's listed on the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine's website or see if there's a doc in town that's an IBCLC for two reasons. One is to refer to so that if, you, if you're having issues, but then also from, you know, an education base. So it's so nice to be able to, you know, for my partners to reach out and say, hey, what do you think about this? Or, um, you know, what should I do about this? So even if I don't do a full consult on somebody, that they can at least have that person that they can go to and ask them questions of. Are there any specialties that you work closely with as you are working as a breastfeeding medicine doc? Probably the most of any of the other specialties would be maybe like ENT from a mouth issue. So obviously baby has to have an intact and functioning mouth. So if they have a tongue tie or something like that, um, ENT can be our best friend. Uh, Peds dentistry also is something else that can deal with tongue ties, which is nice. Um, otherwise the nice thing, at least about being internal medicine and peds in this is that, you know, I'm pretty self-sustaining. I can take care of mom. I can take care of baby. I can do all of that. If you were say a pediatrician, um, and you were doing this, you would probably need to have an internal medicine family or OB kind of, um, counterpart to be able to help out with some of the mom stuff. And then same thing kind of backwards. If you're an OBGYN, as far as the peds stuff. Are there any interesting special opportunities outside of clinical medicine for somebody interested in breastfeeding medicine? I think probably the biggest things would be, you know, academia and then research. So within academics, there's always opportunities um, with med student education. Like we've started a fourth year elective um, where we sponsor uh, fourth year students that are usually interested in OBGYN or PEDS to do some, you know, pre, uh, pre-residency lactation work. I've also worked with curriculum development for the interns in the pediatric residency to increase that. Um, I do, like I said, some nursery rounds, so I do some extra teaching there with the breastfeeding medicine. And then research-wise, there's actually, you know, a fair bit of opportunities out there as far as research, both from curriculum and teaching development, uh, and then also, you know, all sorts of things as far as the biochemical science and things like that behind breastfeeding. What do you like the most about it? I personally have been so enriched with the breastfeeding experience that I've had personally that I think bringing that on to other moms is really helpful. I also really like the fourth trimester concept that UNC has worked on a lot and then a couple other places, which is really kind of helping moms um, and realizing that those first couple of months of motherhood are really overwhelming and exhausting. So being able to kind of support moms through that um, has been really enriching And then it's just for me, it kind of goes back to that pediatrics, like watching those kids 
grow and develop and the parents become parents and learning the parenting kinds of things, um, you know, discipline and sleep and feeding and all those different things. For me, that's kind of the biggest thing is, you know, helping those moms meet their goals and raise cool kids. What do you like the least? I guess it's just frustrating how little other people understand about it. And when people do or say things like that, I talked about earlier, the you know, kind of Cipro case of the patient in the hospital. Um, so when people kind of, I don't want to say sabotage, because I don't think it's that um, they're, tr- you know, it's not like they're trying to do something, but you know, that kind of lack of knowledge affecting how they take care of patients. What do you see as far as any major changes coming to the world of breastfeeding medicine? Um, you know, hopefully we can get um, a more dedicated kind of fellowship or clinical, you know, tract in. I think that we are definitely in a kind of day and time when breastfeeding is becoming more the norm. Um, and so moms are, you know, initiating a lot more and are being more successful. Um, so, but I think along with that, we're just going to see more and more moms that are, you know, struggling or having issues here and there and that need the support. And we just, you know, we don't really have infrastructure for them at this point in time, which is unfortunate. I mean, things are better than they probably were in the past. The ACA, you know, allowed us to have, you know, like moms can get breast pumps and things like that, but hopefully we'll continue to see changes with that and, you know, paternity leave and things like that. What for kind of going back to a previous question for the future primary care docs out there who are going to be taking care of new moms having these discussions about breastfeeding versus formula, what is the best thing that a physician can say to a patient, a conversation with them about going down that path of breastfeeding over formula? Yes, I think that, you know, recognizing that it's, I always tell parents that it's natural, but that doesn't mean it's easy. So letting them know that there's going to be bumps and valleys and they need a support system and they need to find, find that support system and make sure that they know what their resources are. And I often tell parents to like, never give up on your worst day. Like you're going to have bad days. You're going to have bad moments, but kind of try to stick through it and reach out for help when you need it. So I think that's a big part of it. And then the other thing for me tends to be that internist side of me coming out that we have more and more information about the health benefits for mom that we often don't look at. So if mom breastfeeds, she has a decreased risk of breast cancer. She has a decreased risk of diabetes and heart disease and hypertension and multiple sclerosis. There's lots of benefits for mom as well. Um, So trying to, again, not just focus on the baby and say, oh, mom, you need to do this no matter what, but actually talk about the health benefits for her as well and to help encourage her. Any last words of wisdom for somebody who probably for the first time is hearing about breastfeeding medicine for them to go out and explore and find more information about it? Again, I think the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine has a great website with a lot of great protocols that are um, very evidence-based. So that's a great resource for really anybody to get information about you know, anesthesia and pain meds and all sorts of different things. They've got lots of great protocols. I think if you are a woman and you're interested in this, definitely looking at the Dr. Milk group. Um, we have a pretty big presence on Facebook, over 10,000 people at this point. Um, so even if you're not yet breastfeeding yourself, and you, but you just want to learn more about breastfeeding, you could definitely check us out there. And I guess just, you know, kind of be open to the fact that you may not get a lot of training about this, but it's super important and there are opportunities out there to learn more. And so even if you have to do self-directed learning, I would encourage you to do it. All right. There you have it. Again, that was Dr. Christina Lehman, a breastfeeding doc. If you're interested in breastfeeding and breastfeeding medicine, go check out all of those resources 
that Christina mentioned. We'll have links to those in the show notes. So if you just go to medicalschoolhq.net and find the show notes for this page, you'll find the links to everything we mentioned. If you have any ideas for specialties, and more importantly, if you have any physicians who you know would be great guests on this podcast, shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. I would love to interview somebody that you know and refer to me. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on Specialty Stories.